0: all our listeners around the world who are probably staying at home at the moment, hello and welcome to the podcast series from the African Development Course at the LSE on how knowledge and technology are helping to overcome the developmental challenge African economies are facing.
1: We are three super motivated students and we are going to share with you our thoughts and findings on new technologies and the way they can reshape the bargaining power and economic security of rural citizens in African countries. In our today's work, technology can take different forms ranging from the evolution of our means of communications to the way we are doing agriculture. Thus, we are going to look at the market information service, or system, often referred as MIS, as a technological innovation that targets smallholder farmers. But first, let me introduce you briefly what MIS are. Several organizations, including the Food and Agriculture Organization, have advocated the establishment of market information services as a means of increasing the efficiency of marketing systems and promoting improved price formation. A working definition was developed in 1994 by the FAO, indicating that it's a service operated by the public sector to collect information on prices on a regular basis and to disseminate it through various media to farmers, traders, government officials, policymakers, and others.
2: Now, I think if we focus on the context of African agriculture and we try to understand the impact that MIS has had there it's important to first develop a broad understanding of the continent's agricultural sector. Because as the late Professor Tandika Nkandawira said, history matters. While far-reaching generalizations are always difficult to make about such a diverse continent, I'll try and develop uh, on some general historical processes. During the emergence of the post-colonial state, as Samir Amin's historical analysis of colonialism and Bursch and Lawrence's work in global food regimes has shown, African producers have experienced a long history of inferior integration into global markets. In the new post-colonial states, many scholars and peasant communities argued in the 1970s, agriculture was being systematically neglected across many African countries. In some cases, it even being exploited in favour of more well-off urban industries. This belief in the prevalence and failure of urban bias and state policy In the 1970s and 80s in Africa was also shared by important international financial institutions such as the World Bank and the IMF. While some diagnoses of urban bias believed that state resources should be reallocated to to rural agriculture, the international financial institutions pushed for the removal of the state from the economy. This was due to an inherent mistrust that these institutions had of the ability of African states to overcome the challenges of rent-seeking. When African states faced a need for credit after the debt crisis in the 1980s, the international financial institutions were able to condition their support on the implementation of reforms that had come to be known as the structural adjustment programs. These structural adjustment programs led to trade liberalization, the abolishment of marketing boards, the removal of agricultural subsidies, and the privatization of agricultural research and extension. Thus, as the increase in the financialization of the, in the 1990s of the global economy occurred, which led to an increasing power being distributed to global retailers and transnational agri-food companies, African producers were left vulnerable and unprotected.
1: Now that we have a clearer idea of the agricultural context, we can now continue our investigation on MIS. The first attempts at market information provision in developing countries Involve government bodies in collecting price information and arranging for this to be disseminated via newspaper and radio station. Thus the information provided was often not very accurate and usually reached farmers too late to be of practical use. We had the chance to discuss with Dr. Simone Sala, a consultant to international organization. And here is what he told us about the history of MIS broader
3: tradition of leveraging digital technologies for agricultural development, body chain support, supply chain support. And the very first stream of it, we can track it like in the 70s, the 80s, and uh, the use of digital technology in agriculture was mainly aimed at like increasing efficiency across the sector. So clearly access to market was not exactly among the uh, the goals back then, uh, but it became so like, Later on, around the 90s and especially early 2000, when the uh, development of uh, mobile network infrastructure basically allowed uh, much broader access to digital technologies and digital networks than before. So that was the main trigger of the information revolution. Say so starting from 2000, I would say that's the time where uh, ICT for development and ICT for agriculture really took off the uh, World Summit on the Information Society. Uh, There were like two editions, the first one, 2003, uh, in uh, Geneva, and the second one, 2005, in Tunis, were the ones that were really, uh, I mean, multilateral organizations, development stakeholders, um, gathered and discussed what and how uh, to do with uh, information communication technologies and how to build an information society. So that's also the time where really Uh, the use of digital technologies for agricultural development for MIS, to build MIS, uh, kick-started at an international level.
1: We now know that the emergence of MIS was facilitated by the development of ICT tools for development. If we just take first a little step back and look at evidence showing the development of ICT in Africa, we understand why MIS really took off since the beginning of our decade. According to the International Telecommunication Union in 2009, since the beginning of the century, access to and use of mobile telephony in Sub-Saharan Africa has increased dramatically. 60% of the population has mobile phone coverage. In this region, between 2002 and 2007, the mobile phone subscription increased by 49% annually. And to give you an idea of comparison, at the same time, in Europe, this number increased only by 17% annually. In this regard, at the Connect Africa Summit in 2007, Paul Kagame said, in 10 short years, what was once an object of luxury and privilege, the mobile phone has become a basic necessity in Africa. If we come back to the MIS, we can understand that, with the development of ICTs, MIS are now accessible through mobile phone, and according to the study Challenges in measuring the impact of market information systems, MIS are not provided only by government anymore, but the private sector became also a key player. The latter offers the promise of financial sustainability through the sale of information to users, typically through SMS and specialized report. Dr. Salah gives us more information on that issue.
3: The sector itself, let's say, has been uh, growing quite quite dramatically in, in, in the second decade of this century. So starting from, let's say, 2010, and particularly after 2014, the investment in, uh, in the sector of uh, IC for agriculture, including and particularly uh, market information system, really spiked up. And um, in 2019, we were close to 18 billion U.S. dollars in, uh, you know, in investment uh, in the sector. So, um, with really uh, a huge increase compared to uh, even uh, the first half of uh, 2000 of the decade between 2010 and 2020.
1: Now, as we know more about the history and the development of this new technology, we would like to understand the extent to which. These market information services really help rural farmers to increase their bargaining power and their economic welfare. To give you a quick roadmap, the first thing we are going to try to understand with you is bargaining power, and more specifically, the role of information for farmers. After that, we are going to look at different cases of MIS and try to understand what characterise them.
2: Thank you very much for that. I'm going to provide a brief overview of information and bargaining power and how this may influence the lives of African smallholder farmers. In the case of production in agriculture, bargaining power refers to the ability of agents to influence the prices of agricultural goods sold among different actors within a value chain. It is these different levels of bargaining power which allow different actors in value chains to extract rents from one another. One component of the bargaining power is information. In theory and often in practice, when one individual who is partaking in a transaction knows more than the other, they are able to use this information to strengthen their bargaining position and in turn, extract the rent from the individual who does not have access to this information. In economics, this is called information asymmetry. In many African agricultural communities, traders who often purchase goods at the farm gate have information about market prices that smallholders do not. This allows them to drive down farm-grade prices and extract a rent from a farmer. In theory, MIS is supposed to provide farmers with the required information which removes this information asymmetry, and in turn will hopefully improve their bargaining position. This improved position should in theory redistribute previously extracted rents back to the farmer, thus increasing farm-grade prices and improving smallholder farmers' livelihoods. So we can think of an agricultural value chain as a combination of different actors who are trying to use their bargaining power to increase their share of the value in this chain at the expense of others. Market information systems are trying to increase the bargaining power of actors at the bottom of the value chain to increase the share that they capture in this chain.
1: Now, to continue our investigation, we arrive in Kenya, where the MIS M-Farm was founded in 2010. To understand the impact this MIS had on the life of rural farmers in Kenya, we use the research conducted in 2013 by Susan Winch and Charles Thainfield and published in 2015. This MIS is using an SMS system to share the price information of certain crops. How did it work? The farmers first have to register with the MIS by paying 1 Kenyan shilling. To give you an idea of how much it represents, as we speak, 1 British pound represents 133 Kenyan shilling. So coming back to our Kenyan farmers, once registered, they can get the information by sending an SMS to the platform's number. After the request has been submitted, users wait for a response with the crop price from a chosen location or market. The result of the study showed that even if this MIS was available for rural farmers, the majority of them was not using the service. Thus, their bargaining power did not increase and nor their economic welfare. There are two main reasons behind the fact that they were not using M-Farm. The interrogated farmers explained that they were seeing their mobile phone as devices helping them to maintain verbal communication among their friends and family, rather than platforms they can use to access agricultural information. The mobile phone was thus more used for social purposes than commercial ones. Another point raised in the study is the fact that this MIS was not very user-friendly. The service is designed in English and the knowledge of written English is thus required. It appears that lots of farmers were not able to use the service efficiently because if they, they were making a spelling mistake, the platform would have sent them an error message. The farmers were not thus very convinced by the service because they have paid to join the platform and they paid also to send the SMS but did not get any valuable information for their business. Finally, the last point raised by the farmers is that they cannot often charge their phone and thus have them often turned off to save battery. These last two points indicate the fact that while the MIS was designed, the farmers were not necessarily part of the process. Yet their point of view could have been very useful to prevent any kind of mismatch between the farmer's needs and abilities and the service offered by the MIS. This point has also been raised by Dr. Salah during our conversation.
3: So one of the reasons why uh, the systems sometimes fail is that uh, the needs and assets of the farmers to which these systems are intended are not taken well into account. So farmers' expectations are frustrated because uh, they have been designed by someone who is not really, let's say, able to put themselves in their shoes. Sometimes these systems are designed very nicely and, uh, and look very smart, but they do not reflect the culture and the needs and or build on the assets of these farmers. So they found this application meaningless or useless and, uh, and they failed. And uh, this is not something that's been noted down by Players in the NGO sector, let's say in the broader cooperation development sector and the aid sector, but it's also been noted down by uh, players in the private
1: sector. We can thus conclude that the design issue observed in Kenya with M Farm is not a local issue, but it's a broader one arising when MIS are designed.
0: And now we would like to provide you with a brief case of Izoko, a digital platform providing multiple services across Africa. We have also spoken to Gordon Kotienikoi, the business development manager who is in charge of the MIS. Now operating in multiple African countries, Isoko is more than just an SMS-based MIS platform. Started as TradeNet in 2006, it passed through different stages until it reached its current status of a complex digital platform through learning and experimentation. At first, Izoko was primarily focused with providing market information on prices through SMS. Realizing that the market information on prices alone is not enough, Izoko added additional information and services, including climate-smart agroeconomic advice, bid and offer, and Knowledge Plus, a platform which delivers information in multiple ways. Izoko also opened a call center, a farmer helpline, where information is provided in multiple local languages in Ghana. Currently, Izoko serves different clients, including smallholders, agribusinesses, NGOs, and governments. Its service also includes data collection, dissemination, marketing, consulting, and trainings. However, despite its expanded clientele, the smallholder farmer remains a principal focus, currently boasting more than 1 million farmers on its platform. Gordon explains.
4: Our primary customers is the smallholder farmers. So what we want to achieve is to get information to the smallholder farmer in the uh, remotest community in the country where agricultural extension people are not able to reach, but we are reaching there through the mobile phone to get the information to them. At the end of the day, create sustainability and then improve livelihood of those people.
0: Despite this ambition to create sustainability and improve the livelihood of the people, evaluating the impact of such platforms is a difficult exercise. It's also difficult to find comprehensive studies of how they have affected their customers, the smallholder farmers, in terms of their bargaining power and general welfare. Mark Davis, the founder and first CEO of Isoco, writes that by the end of the first year, the impact was already visible. First, he argues that farmers were able to negotiate better prices with visiting traders. The written-down nature of the information via SMS meant they not only have the information, but also proof, something to bargain with. Second, beyond the farming gate, Davis argues it allowed some farmers to avoid local traders and go to distant markets. Again because they were knowledgeable about the market. And finally, Davis argues that the written down nature of SMS messages helped them analyze markets, see changes week to week, and determine when to go to the market and when not to go. Curtis and Sabir in a 2015 study also argue that farmers receiving information from Isoco received significantly higher prices for their products. They argue that they received approximately 10% more for maize and 7% more for groundnuts compared to those farmers who are not participating in the program. Bartlett from a 2014 study also recognizes that farmers have utilized Isoko to tracking prices and following trends so they know when to sell knowing price variations between markets therefore traveling to the best one and having increased negotiation power knowing what goods are worth giving them confidence to bargain or wait for better offers izoko also faces several challenges the first challenge that davis identifies from the start has been keeping focus the company He writes, has been stretched into providing different types of services which might affect its functionality. Additionally, in our interview, Gordon identified three important challenges.
4: The most uh, uh, critical one is finance. If you don't have uh, uh, any uh, financial backing, you, you won't be able to survive because you need to go down the register the farmers, train them, and then get them the information. So uh, if you don't have funds to go around and do all this, uh, it's not going to be easy. The other challenge I, I, I see is also the language. There are so many languages in Ghana. If it, it will be just uh, English, it means you, you only send text messaging, and then English, everybody will know. But here's the case, we, even the call center alone is speaking 15 languages. We need to get 15 especially to be in the call center. Then the other one is the network connectivity. Mm-hmm. In some of the rural areas, the connectivity is very bad. So you, if one have to move to a particular area before you can get network to receive the messages.
0: Despite these challenges, Izoko has demonstrated a capacity to learn and adapt, work with different stakeholders, and deepen its services as well as its reach continentally, to remain a leading MIS platform. While it is still too early to say that it has succeeded in terms of improving the welfare of rural citizens, the fact that it has stayed in the business for more than a decade, and the fact that it now reaches more than a million farmers, is a testament to its resilience.
1: We have now come to the end of our investigation. And from our chosen cases and researches, MIS seems to be a very promising innovation that has evolved a lot, yet in practice, it did not really manage to increase dramatically the bargaining power and economic welfare of rural farmers. Lots of progress still have to be done. To me, the main curbs of MIS are on one hand an educational problem as farmers are not really explained what are the benefits of using such innovations, and on the other hand, the design services do not really fit the farmer's expectation, need, daily constraints, and local conditions. The last person we had the chance to discuss with is Nandini Shara, a senior advisor in digital inclusive economy, and she tells us more.
2: You know, the challenges are vast, right? They, they're everything from the very basic access to mobile technology, uh, global connectivity in rural areas can be very, very poor. Um, and then, you know, services are usually not tailored for those kinds of geographies and those kinds of
0: individuals.
1: Yet, I truly think that there is hope to have MIS better designed in the coming years because, for instance, the GSMA, which is the Mobile Network Operators Association, design solution toolkit based on human-centered concepts for mobile network operators and other players in the sector who want to design solutions for farmers to help them to make sure that they were meeting the needs of the beneficiaries. Having access to efficient MIS will increase the economic welfare of rural farmers but create a virtuous circle and allow them to have access to formal financial system. Here is what Nandini told us about this.
2: To get them to enter the formal financial system and they have access to other formal financial services beyond just paying for things, um, it can actually improve their resilience. For me, I think we've seen that the goal of MIS and many similar interventions is to address market failures, in particular power asymmetries. And I worry that even if MIS systems or implemented perfectly and worked as were imagined they would not address the true power imbalances in the global economy the way that food networks are structured globally the power to extract rents from the value chain remains with large agri-food businesses this power asymmetry is not a function of information asymmetry but is a, is but is political and deeply rooted in history and the way in which smallholder farmers have been integrated into the global economy The question is inherently political And I think that this political question cannot be addressed through technical
0: innovation. The technology is evolving. The service providers are evolving and learning. The Isoko experience tells us that their understanding of the market and the needs of their consumer base, the smallholder farmers, is improving. But they face practical as well as structural challenges. As far as the bargaining power and welfare of rural citizens is concerned, market information and its facilitation through technology is only one determining factor. The welfare of rural citizens is influenced by structural inequalities at the international and local level. It's affected by land policies, social policies, provision of inputs, and environmental factors among others. Thus, there is no easy fix. MIS can help, but only marginally. As far as how much it's helping, the jury is still out.